Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is PlushCare. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. This episode is brought to you by La Quinta by Wyndham. Your work can take you all over the place, like Texas. You've never been, but it's going to be great because you're staying at La Quinta by Wyndham. Their free bright side breakfast will give you energy for the day ahead. And after, you can unwind using their free high-speed Wi-Fi. Tonight, La Quinta. Tomorrow, you shine. Book your stay today at LQ.com. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Richard Serrett's Strange Planet. Following the truth wherever it leads. Exposing evil and corruption and the secret machinations of powerful elites. Revealing the high strangeness beneath the surface of our supposed reality. Coming to you from the Great White North and his studio beneath the stairs. Here's Richard. And welcome to another episode of Strange Planet. Great to have you aboard. And on this episode, investigative journalist, defender of human rights, author Janet Phelan is here to discuss her book, At the Breaking Point of History, How Decades of U.S. Duplicity Enabled the Pandemic. This came out uh, in 2021, really at the height of the pandemic, or plandemic, if you'd rather. Let me just crib here from the back cover. From lead pipes in Flint, Michigan, to a duplicitous water commission in Medford, Oregon, to a secret psychiatric ward at UCLA, to the elegant halls of the Palace of Nations in Geneva, Switzerland, at the breaking point of history, relentlessly details the U.S. government's indifferences to the welfare of individuals and to its legal obligations under national and international accords prohibiting human experimentation in biological and chemical weapons. Phelan uncovers shocking machinations executed at the highest and lowest levels of power, pointing towards a pandemic of as yet unrealized proportions. Janet Phelan, welcome to Strange Planet. How are you? I'm well, thank you. Thank you very much for having me on your show, Richard. My pleasure. Uh, Previous to uh, this book, I think it was 2014, you wrote Exile, which sort of documents documents your, well, you, you kind of dabbled in legacy media. And then at a, at a certain point, there was a point where you just said, we're being lied to everything. We, you know, everything I, we thought we knew about our country is a, is a fabrication. And you literally put yourself into self-imposed exile. Uh, can you just kind of walk me through what happened? Um, sure. Well, I, I did more than dabble in legacy media. Actually, I, um, was fairly firmly entrenched in writing for mainstream media. I did my graduate work in journalism at the University of Missouri at Columbia and had 
written mostly freelance, which is probably what saved my soul um, for a variety of publications for a number of years. And around 2001, it became clear to me that we weren't getting the full story uh, from uh, the mainstream media at all. And I started using the tools of my trade to um, write and investigate and expose um, certain inconvenient realities. So um, the exile, more than being self-imposed, um, was actually a necessity. I, I don't want to go into this in great detail right now, but basically I, I got some very bad attention from the authorities and um, it became clear to me that I better, I just better get out of Dodge. So in 2008, I left the US and I was in Canada for a couple of years trying to get uh, status to stay in Canada. I uh, had uh, gotten a job offer to teach journalism at a uh, interesting school actually. And the letter came in from Immigration Canada saying, we're not giving you a work visa, leave Canada immediately. So here I am in Mexico. Ah, all right. <laughs> That's kind of the short version without all of the gory details. Okay. Well, we'll direct people to uh, the book Exile, which is available, I'm guessing, at Amazon still? Uh, no, nope. it's not. It's only available right now at thebookpatch.com. Thebookpatch.com. That's right. 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 Not on it on Amazon. Right. Right. So look for the, uh, for listeners, you can look for that link in the episode notes and that'll take you right there and you can get the, uh, the full story of uh, Janet Phelan's exile. Uh, this, this book at the breaking point of history isn't entirely about the pandemic. Of course, it certainly, uh, looms large in, in, in the book, but, um, you, you've been, you had been predicting a pandemic or a pandemic for quite some time. That's right. Uh, when did you start seeing the writing on the wall that we were going to have a pandemic? Well, um, I started researching this rather uh, a strange alternate delivery system around 2004 um, when I became aware that there were, uh, that the water systems, certainly in Los Angeles, and as my research began to expand, I began to realize elsewhere, as well had been tweaked. And so I was at that point writing in 2004, I was writing a weekly column at the Santa Monica Daily Press. And I used that position to start making public records act requests for water records. Uh, many of those uh, requests and the bizarre responses are archived in um, at the breaking point of history. And um, Actually, I lost my job at the Santa Monica Daily Press for making a Public Records Act request at City Hall in Santa Monica. I um, had walked into the engineering department and asked for certain uh, records having to do with water systems. And within six hours, I got a phone call from the editor of the Santa Monica Daily Press, and she was very upset. She said she had not authorized me to ask any questions about water. And I was endangering her position as uh, editor of the Santa Monica Daily Press by simply asking these questions. So I went over to the office immediately. I thought, well, we've got to talk about this, but uh, the decision had already been made. And I was 
I was finito. <laughs> that was the end of that. So, what, um, what did you suspect was being done with the water, the municipal water in Santa Monica? Well, um, I had uh, already consulted with a number of engineers about how it could be that a system could deliver um, different waters or different substances to different um, dwellings. I had been tipped off that this was the case. And, and the tip off was serious enough that I started to look at this. And so the engineers kind of sat down with me and explained, well, you could do it this way. You could have two water lines and then, you know, and so forth. So, so when I started researching this, I began to realize that the input from the engineers was absolutely right. And that we had two, two water lines or two main lines um, that are delineated as, as, as water um, running down uh, the street through Santa Monica, through Los Angeles, through Spokane, uh, different places in Idaho, uh, many different places I began to research. Except the interesting thing was this second line, one line, I mean, there's no problem. Everybody knows that you can get blueprints uh, from City Hall showing you the one line. They won't show you the second line. So they won't, they, they won't admit to it. So I found out that it exists. And I found out by um, hanging around street crews. Uh, I developed a back door for blueprints. So I started hanging around street crews, uh, trying to get uh, their copies of blueprints because they actually had the real blueprints, the non-redacted blueprints. And um, that was a back door that I developed in Los Angeles. I used another back door when I was looking at the, the prints in Spokane. Um, there was a, uh, a meeting uh, in a local restaurant because there was a lot of work being done on the streets and businesses were being disrupted. And the city had meetings with business owners to discuss uh, what was going on with all that. And I went to that meeting. And then after the meeting, I kind of sidled up to the engineer in charge. I said, could I look at the blueprints? And he showed them to me and I took pictures. That's what I did. I took pictures. Nobody liked that very much because what I found with those blueprints, when you compare them to what the city was actually giving me, um, whether we're talking about Medford, Oregon, Spokane, Washington, Los Angeles, they would give me blueprints showing one line, not two lines. There was something very sensitive about that second line. So I had to kind of come to grips with what that could be because the engineers that I had consulted with prior to working on this had explained to me that if there was going to be some sort of plan to make uh, additional uh, uh, selective uh, inputs to water, like through the main line uh, into the service line. The service line is what connects the main line with let's say your house, Richard, or with my house. Okay, that's the service line. So if that was going to happen, there would have to be two mains. So one we'll call it the regular water line, let's call the other call it anything we want to, we call it the COVID line, we can call it the vodka line. You wanna get somebody drunk, you run vodka through that second line and then it will be, it can be opened up uh, and, and distributed through the service line with the use of 
remote control valves. So another leg of this research involved remote control valves, and that's also discussed in the book. So we have a fairly science fiction type uh, uh, scenario here where the government can actually dose individual houses, individual neighborhoods with something extra. Um, I have no idea what that something extra might be. Um, I, I'm not a, a biologist or a, a biochemist. Um, and I have uh, not been able to confirm you know, the way the system is set up, they can run anything they want to do that second line. They can run vodka, they can run bourbon, they can run arsenic, anything they want to. What I have done is to confirm and to uh, basically uh, uh, detail how the delivery system works. So. That reminds me of a story I read uh, that quickly disappeared in the early 2000s in USA Today, and it might've been on page six or nine, I can't remember, just a little story. And it was a... Um, I believe it was a memo from some undersecretary um, of some department in the U.S. just floating the idea of in the event of some, let's say, economic collapse, adding lithium to the municipal water supplies. Uh, to make people feel better, right? Lithium, uh, to make people feel better? I yes. mean, lithium is a, to quell yeah. To quell any sort of uprising and so forth. And that story, right. of course, quickly disappeared, never to be heard from again. Mm -hmm. Well, that's how they could do it. You know, uh, recently there was a big flurry. Uh, a doctor by an artist was claiming that they were uh, putting snake venom into water systems. And um, actually, you know, I have no idea what the, the, the second line contains, but if it did contain something like snake venom, this is how they would do it. And they would have to do it in, in a selective manner so that they're not dosing themselves. Right. So this is a, so. The, the possible mechanism for another delivery system. What are they delivering exactly? We're not sure. Uh, no, we're not sure at all. Mm -mm. But you also, uh, with regards to the, the pandemic, um, you traced evidence of pre-planning back to about 2001, even before it had to do with a change to the, um, well, after two, 2001, a change to the U.S. Mm -hmm. Patriot Act, something called yeah. Section 817. Right. And in Section 817 of the USA Patriot Act, the U.S. Uh, government gave itself immunity from violating its own biological weapons laws. It's right there in black and white. Now, why the media didn't report on that, I really can't say. But when I found that, um, I, I was it sort of knocked me off sideways. It's right there in black and white. Uh, the um, the uh, prohibitions contained in this section, the prohibitions having to do with you know, the use of biological weapons, who can use them, who can't use them, you know, you can't use them basically. The prohibitions contained in this section shall not apply to any duly authorized U.S. governmental activity. Bingo! You've given yourself a carte blanche. Now, one of the more interesting things concerning this is that this could be seen as a violation of the international treaty, treaty known as the Biological Weapons Convention. And I twice traveled to Geneva, Switzerland, to the Biological Weapons Convention under the mantle of an NGO that I created uh, back around 2009 for the purposes of, of engaging the UN on selected issues. 
So twice I uh, attended the Biological Weapons Convention and did some research while I was there. And I discovered, guess what? The US is mandated to report any changes in biological weapons activity, including laws to the convention at large. Did the US report this sort of shocking change? No, they did not. And um, so the research began to look more and more at, at, at legalisms, um, how the US was actually protecting itself uh, in ways should it launch a pandemic so that it would be able to have kind of a, a carte blanche with this. I also looked quite a bit at human experimentation projects, ongoing ones, not just the things that were exposed in the Church and Pike hearings back in the 70s. Um, I also did some uh, research in, and it is lodged in the book having to do with what I call the US's obsession with genetics. And, um, you know, and with connect with collecting DNA and the possibilities that gene weapons can actually be used again against selected portions of populations, those with particular genetic profiles, i.e. racial groups. So all of this uh, research basically draws very heavily on legacy media sources might report on something briefly and then drop it like a hot potato, like you had mentioned earlier with the lithium and the water supplies. Well, this, these expansion, I guess, of the, um, the bioweapons program in the United States, which would basically allow them to, um, guess what, deny, 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 deny before the um, bioweapons convention um, in Geneva or wherever that, so the question I guess it arises is this, how do we, how do we know then the difference between a pandemic and a bioweapon? How do we know indeed? Well, we're no, we know what we're told, you know, we're told that somebody ate a sick bat in Wuhan and the whole world got, you know, went into a uh, free fall. That's what we're told. Um, the fact is that with um, the revelations that are coming out about COVID um, and about the, the fatality rate from an illness rate from the vaccines and given the existence of this bizarre and almost unreported delivery system, you know, we have a scenario where we're being told one thing, but the truth is emerging that something else entirely is going on. So the question is, who do we trust anymore, Richard? Janet, we'll take a quick time out. Janet Phelan stays with us as we continue to delve into her book, At the Breaking Point of History, How Decades of U.S. Duplicity Enabled the Pandemic. Back with more in a moment. Stay with us. It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble, with exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. The truth will set you free. 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 But first, it will really tick you off. Welcome back to Richard Serrett's Strange Planet. Janet Phelan is with us, investigative journalist, defender of human rights, and her uh, 2021 book is At the Breaking Point of History, How Decades of U.S. Duplicity Enabled the Pandemic. Um... Just following up on my previous question just before the break there, and that is how do we tell the difference between a pandemic and a bioweapon? Uh, so what in this case would be the, is the bioweapon the, the virus manufactured in a lab through gain of function, or is it, the, is it the vaccine, or is it both? Well, these are very good questions, and I always uh, try to stand back from questions like this because I am not a medical professional. I'm a reporter who has located something very, very weird uh, going on uh, with not only U.S. water systems. This was also found uh, in Toronto, uh, in Canada. It was found in Israel, in, uh, in te both Tel Aviv and Jerusalem. It was found in post-invasion Iraq and in Geneva, Switzerland, and in at least one major city in Latin America. And that's considered to be... a uh, uh, an incomplete list. So we have, on one hand, we have a covert, uh, largely hidden delivery system, which can make anybody sick with goodness knows what. And then we have the governments of the world going, oh, we had a pandemic. Well, you know, I, I think it becomes difficult to, to, to answer these questions. Um, when I'm surveying the, the, the current data, it looks like people are getting blood clots from the vaccine. Um, it, I never got vaccinated. I wouldn't touch that with a 10 foot pole. Um, it looks like a lot of people died from, from mismanagement of COVID as well. I mean, this whole scandal of what happened in the nursing homes, where uh, governors would send, you know, like Cuomo, sent uh, sick people uh, who still had COVID into nursing homes, which were basically petri dishes for for further infection. I mean, there's, you know, and then and then suddenly he has to resign because of a Me Too scandal. I mean, that was man, that was that was right. like the cover up of cover ups, right? And how many how many seniors? Yeah. Deaths were hastened by the use of uh, these ventilators being that intubated. Too. That too. When, of course, you're just suppressing the immune system even further. 
And finally, uh, you know, they stopped that practice. But we now know that they were, the hospitals were receiving, at least in the United States, through like, Medicare or Medicaid, were receiving kickbacks every time a patient was admitted with COVID or was placed on a ventilator. That was even a, a bigger cash cow for them. Put someone on a ventilator and it's cha-ching. Oh, $29,000 per ventilated patient. That's what the CARES Act mandated. Yeah. So there were all these mechanisms in place that uh, either through either through uh, mistake, error, or or some sort of darker intention ended up with more deaths. Um, I remember after the, um, the the announcements had come out that the, we're, we're, you know you can't use the ventilators on sick people, and generally speaking, because if they have COVID, then it's just going to kill them. Uh, I was listening to the radio in. Um, south of the border, and they were talking about how they had an upsurge of deaths in a, uh, excuse me, of cases in a particular city, and all these people were ventilated in the hospital. So even while the U.S. had realized that they they were uh, hastening people's deaths by doing this, other countries were still using the ventilators. And um, in southern Mexico, where I am now, uh, the word got out very quickly that if you get sick with something do not go to the hospital because you will not come out. And instead, people began sharing uh, enormously uh, what kind of herbs they were using. Um, were they drinking, you know, uh, uh, mumu tea? I mean, what, what they did, how they stayed at home and cured their COVID because people became very frightened because the reports were that you go to the hospital, you died. Tell me about... Um... Randall Larson, he's the head of something called the Weapons of Mass Destruction Center in Washington, D.C. Right. He was, let me just pull up the book real quickly. He was a, a colonel, I believe. And um, he, I, I don't believe, I don't know if the WMD Center is still active or not, but what it was when I wrote this article. And um, yeah, here it is, page 18. So he... Um, he, he was heading up the WMD Center, which also had a couple of other big names attached to it um, uh, in terms of senators and so forth. And they were sounding the alarm um, some time ago. Randall Larson was specifically, he thought the peanuts uh, were, were going to be a, a big uh, <laughs> a big venue for uh, biological weapons and terrorism. And he wasn't, it was, I, I, I picked up on the story. The story appeared in some mainstream venue and I picked it up and I contacted Randall Larson and he was going on and on about uh, peanuts and, and how, uh, you know, they, they, they were going to, they were going to attack the peanuts and the peanuts were going to kill people. And, and I, I thought, well, this is interesting. Um, so I started asking him about the water systems and he shut down. He shut off the, the contact with me. He shut off the interviews and um, he wrote me. Uh, yeah. After reading some of your pieces on the internet about the Patriot Act, I assure you we will have no further conversations or email exchanges. Sorry. I wasted your time and mine. So um, it, it seemed like uh there was a lot of disinformation that was being put out uh, prior to the pandemic. Uh, you know, watch out for the peanuts, watch out for this, watch out for that. And uh, a lot of money 
went into uh, uh, BioWatch, which was to surveil airborne uh, possible uh, vectors for uh, for a biological weapons or pandemic. You know, they, they always they don't know which they're talking about half the time. Um, but almost no money went into surveilling water systems. So. All right, Janet, another time out back with more of our conversation right after this. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Families have a lot going on. Let Ollie help manage the mental load with new cognitive health supplements for everyone four and up, like delicious Lolly Focus Pops or Lolly Mellow Pops for kids. And for parents, try three new Brainy Chews to help you focus, chill out, or get energized. Find these cognitive health buddies for the whole fam at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Welcome back. Welcome back to Richard Serrett's Strange Planet. Investigative journalist Janet Phelan is with us, the author of Exile and At the Breaking Point of History, How Decades of U.S. Duplicity Enabled the Pandemic. Uh, you know, since the um, Russian invasion of Ukraine, a number of people have been asking themselves, you know, are we in the midst of World War III, even though, you know, it's a regional war so far? In fact, there was a, a French historian that was recently quoted, um, Emmanuel Todd, who says we are already in, in, in World War III. Uh, but the combatants here doesn't seem to be clearly delineated. It's, it doesn't seem to be, you know, the Russians versus the West or the Ukrainians versus the Russians. It seems to be the ruling class versus the rest of us. I mean, is this what World War III is? We are the enemy and this is all about what depopulation well you know i have very strong viewpoints on that um i think that what you just said richard um is very close to, to accurate uh, and i think there are certain agendas that are being pushed through um having to do with what i call purifying the planet of undesirables, um, we we can see, for example, um, looks like the COVID deaths hit far more uh, people of color, um, black people, um, indigenous people. Uh, the, the rates aren't really clear. The CDC has, has released some figures on this and I don't tend to trust the CDC figures. So I've been doing my own sort of research on this. And I chose to look at police departments because with police departments, if you have an officer down with COVID, let's say, it will appear, if it will appear on every police page uh, and you'll get a picture of the officer. So you can see, was the officer black, Hispanic, uh, Asian, white, whatever. And um, 
what I'm finding, this is an ongoing project that has taken up a lot of time because there's a lot of police departments in the U.S., but it, it's beginning, there's beginning to be a, a, a profile that when you're looking at big city police departments like New York or Los Angeles, that the majority of those officers who died of COVID are Black or Hispanic. Um, when you're dealing with smaller police departments, good grief, they may not even have Black or Hispanic officers, but you don't see that sort of uh, profile, but you're certainly seeing it in the big cities. So um, I think there's, I think there is a racial agenda and a class agenda here as well. And I think that those, there are certain people who aren't going to be considered to be eligible to join the new world order. And uh, I think those people are, are being taken off the planet. It would seem that they would also want to get rid of the non-compliant. Uh, so those people that refused the vaccine, then they have, I guess, something else in mind for the rest of us. Well, the, the recent reports are that the FBI is collecting the, the fingerprints of those who are unvaccinated. Oh, the teachers in New York. Why would they do that? Right, the teachers. Yeah, that has just come out. Yeah, why would they do that? Why would they want to track people? But it, it does go to support that observation as well. You wrote this book sort of in the height of the pandemic. If you were to come out with, and maybe you are, I don't know, a, a second edition or a revised edition, I mean, what have you, what have you since learned? I know you're now studying sort of the racial component of the victims of COVID, uh, but what have you learned um, since the book was published in September of 2021 that you think you would put in the, a, a revised or a second edition? Well, I'm very concerned about how COVID is being used at an international level to cement a sort of one health global uh, authority. There are basically two prongs of what's going on now at the UN and the WHO. One is the creation of a pandemic treaty, and the other is the amending of the international health regulations. And either of these can end up uh, accomplishing basically a, a totalitarian global system of, uh, of healthcare in which sovereign nations will lose their health sovereignty, individuals will lose their health sovereignty, and should there be another pandemic or another report of a pandemic, you'll basically be, you, you will have to comply with these international uh, protocols. And this concerns me greatly. It seems we're being prepped already for the next one. Maybe it's the avian no. flu they're talking about injecting vaccines into uh, poultry and so forth. Is that your sense that they're ramping up for the next one and it might be avian flu? Um, it might be. There was a big uh, stir about monkeypox recently. And I think that, that we're being kept sort of on the edge of our seats. I believe that we're, we may be okay until like 2024, which is when these amendments and possible pandemic treaty may be, become matters of reality. But I think once we have entered into that uh, scenario where we no longer have any choice over how we treat ourselves if we're sick, then I think at that point we'll be at the mercy of, of another pandemic. I do believe that. 
They're also floating the idea of putting, the, if they haven't already, putting these mRNA vaccines into uh, cattle, into livestock, uh, also perhaps even into, um, into vegetables. So even if we don't want it, we're going to get it. Well, yes, and unfortunately, I think there is a way to stop this. I think it's going to take a concerted effort. Um, but, but I think that there is enough evidence now that COVID was a manufactured crisis. Well, hopefully uh, we can wake up enough people, a critical mass, uh, that um, they uh, will back away and decide not to try this again uh, until they concoct some other scheme, whether it's 15-minute cities and digital IDs and climate lockdowns, who knows what's in store, but we can only, I guess, tackle these these things as they come at us one at a time. I think that there are ways that we may be able to protect our health sovereignty and to um, to dissuade even the most recalcitrant uh, global officials from, from launching this one world health stuff, which will, you know, pretty much put us onto a a conveyor belt for wherever they want to take us. Um, I I did apply to be on the pandemic treaty committee. Um, I am I have this NGO and I am certainly able to use this uh, to to engage in different treaty organizations, including a prospective um, pandemic treaty. And it is my intent, should this abomination get actually passed into international law, that I, I or others with similar intent may very well be able to use the model of creating the NGO, going to Geneva and presenting irrefutable evidence um, that, that we're dealing with a situation that we don't need to deal with. So um, this is kind of a plan that I'm working on now. And, uh, and I know that there are other wonderful researchers and investigators out there who are doing everything they can to, to inform people and to you know, let people know that, that, that we're on this road now and it looks like the road has a definite terminus and it's not going to be a terminus that we want. So um, this is something that that i plan to do if i'm god willing <laughs> yeah uh janet thank you so much for your time again the uh, the book is at the breaking point of history how decades of u.s duplicity enabled the pandemic a new richard Serrett's strange planet drops every monday wednesday and friday without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running everything would suddenly stop Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.